baby back door, baby fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill a cow. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Listening to Brandon Drum. It's all good, OU fans. Colin Kennedy. Oklahoma has the guys once Saturday arrives. And Parker Thune. This looks like the year where it's all going to come together for the Sooners. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. My name is Brandon Drum. I'm here with Colin Kennedy, Parker Thune, and we're here to bring you all the weekly podcast that we bring you all each and every week right now. Um, that was really redundant, but I said it anyways. Um, look, OU didn't start out too well. They won the ball game 40 to 35 to open the season versus a very, very underrated two-lane team with one tough SOB at quarterback in Michael Pratt. Um, we discussed that on the OU Insider post-game podcast. We discussed that game ad nauseum. Uh, if you have, if you haven't heard it, you probably should go and check out the post-game podcast because there's a lot of really cool in-depth stuff that Parker and I discussed on Saturday evening. Um, but right now, um, you know, we've got just came off Labor Day. Oklahoma talk came out today. Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch, David Uwegbu all came and talked to the press. Um, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about some of the things that stood out from that presser. Um, I don't know about you all, but I thought Riley owned up and so did Grinch to a lot of things that, you know, they're normally defensive about, whether it's guys not playing hard or people making mistakes. You honestly had, uh, and I think one of the bigger storylines that nobody's really talking about is the Shane Witter deal where Grinch basically came out and said, Shane Witter better get his, you know what together, or he's not going to be around for very long type of deal. I mean, that was, that was pretty damning comments from Alex Grinch when he was asked about Shane Witter today. Um, and then obviously I thought the quote of the day was, you know, we played 31 to give guys rest, not 31. And we didn't play 31 to give guys rest. We played 31 to get their best. And I thought that was an amazing quote by Alex Grinch. And I think it kind of summed up what everybody's feelings were on the weekend. Like you're going to sub all these guys in. And you got guys loafing around, taking their tape off on the sideline, acting like the game's over when they're up 23. And but I don't know, Parker, Colin, what stood out to you guys? I think I'll go deeper into my my stuff after I hear you guys 
but what stood up to you guys? Because I, I don't know, man, like I love that the coaches are, they're owning up to things, but is it going to satisfy the fan base, a fan base, mind you, that also left the game. They're mad about the OU players not giving it their all and acting like the game was over when they did the exact same. And I find irony in that as well. Well, to be fair, not everybody was at the game and not everybody left the game, but there was a good portion of the Sooner crowd 90% in of attendance the people left. 90% that people headed for the exits <laughs> long before that game was decided because... As Lincoln Riley said, it looked like it was decided at halftime, and I think that uh, that apathy, that leth- that lethargy, kind of started to creep in for the Sooners when they realized, you know what, we can we can afford to get a little complacent because it's Tulane and we're up by twenty three points, and obviously that was not the case. Tulane came roaring back, and credit to the Green Wave for a really really hard fought football game in the face of some tremendous adversity. But I think what stood out to me today, Brandon, and this goes back to a conversation that we were having uh, through the first three or four games of last season as well. And it has to do with leadership. And Lincoln Riley came out and flat out said, look, we're not expecting Spencer Rattler and we can't expect Spencer Rattler to be the same leader that Baker Mayfield was, that Jalen Hurts was, that Kyler Murray was because he's a lot younger than those guys were and he hasn't been around as long. And I feel like we kind of touched on that in the post-game podcast to Brandon, and it's been one of the consistent storylines in the aftermath of this football game. You know, Spencer Rattler has a long way to go as a leader and as a redshirt sophomore and a guy that many folks expect is going to be headed to the NFL at season's end. He's a guy that, you know, when it comes to leadership, his maturation process is going to have to be accelerated rapidly because if he is going to go and be the face of an NFL franchise after this season, then he's going to have to prove that he can be an emotional leader and a guy who leads by example as well. And right. I feel like the Sooners, and again, I'm not going to, I'm going to do my best not to overreact to one game and one outcome, but I'm getting the sense through 60 minutes of competitive football for Oklahoma this year, that they might be in a similar position that they were last year before Ronnie Perkins returned, right? Who is the ostensible leader for this team? Who's it going to be? Because it doesn't seem to me right now that it's Spencer Rattler and will it become Spencer Rattler. Maybe he's obviously the most natural candidate being the quarterback, but you got to look at the other guys that have been around the block that have established themselves as key contributors for this team on either side of the ball. Guys like Nick Benito, like Isaiah Thomas, like Kennedy Brooks. And you take a look at what those guys have done and what those guys can do when they're playing their best football and the influence that they have in that locker room. You got to say, okay, who are the most natural candidates to fill whatever void is left in terms of leadership? Caleb Kelly is another guy that fits that mold to a T that I neglected to mention, but there's going to be, there's going to be a void there because Spencer Rattler can't and doesn't fill it all right now. Right. And so what the Sooners team is going to need, if they're going to compete for a national championship is they're going to need an emotional leader. Who is that guy? There are plenty of candidates. I'm not willing to say it's going to be this guy or it's going to be this guy. All I'm saying is that guy needs to present himself 
because if he doesn't, then that's where you could see things start to unravel for this team down the stretch. It's a really good point. I couldn't agree with it more. And we've had this conversation so many times on this podcast in the past, and it goes back to one of my favorite sayings and it applies directly to some of the guys you're talking about. The concept of impact and production are two entirely different things. This Oklahoma team has the talent to replace the production that left when guys like Ronnie Perkins and Armandre Stevenson vacated their spots on the roster. But it's clear to me that no matter the talent that steps on the field right now, there isn't that leadership in place to replace the impact that a one Ronnie Perkins or Ramondre Stevenson had on this team, let alone guys like Creed Humphrey or Trey Brown or Trey Norwood, guys who meant a lot to this program and got this team through some very adverse situations. I mean, look, again, it's, it's, it's one game. And like I wrote a little bit in the past, it, you, you can be on either side of this thing and potentially be correct. You don't want to overreact. That's fine. You have some serious question marks about this team. That's fine as well. But I think, again, it really does come down to the fact that you should be ready to go in your season opener when you especially get a bonus home game. And it just didn't look like Oklahoma had the juice stepping onto that field on Saturday. And that falls back on the leadership. Who's going to have the impact in the locker room or on the field to energize the squad moving forward? It's clear that that role has to be filled here very soon. That was shown when this team faced Tulane, and it hopefully will have to be answered in the coming weeks. For me, what stood out is what Alex Grinch said towards the end of his session, and I think it also goes back to what I was talking about. Look, you can be on the side of it's one game. It's one game. It's one game. And like I've said in the past as well, one of my other favorite saying is, College football is very much a week five to week six sport. So if you want to take your, your expectations and temper them a bit, that's fine. But the other part of this is Alex Grinch said towards the end of this, look, I'd love to sit here and tell you that Tulane brought out a bunch of tricks and they got us with some things we did not prepare for. And if he had said that, I would have been totally okay with it because that's a week one game. You probably don't have all, have all the film that you want. So whatever. If they catch you off guard, that's at least something that you can react upon. But Alec Grinch basically just said Tulane went out and executed far better than we did. And I, 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 to, I really do think that's a very concerning thing to think about. Because for a team as not only as talented as you are, but with as much preseason hype and as much talent, not only in the roster, but in the coaching staff, for you to get out-executed, and have a group of five team going through major amounts of adversity do its job better than you did tells me a lot of things. So when that's brought up, I would hope that they would find a couple of answers very quickly because there should never be a situation moving forward, especially playing that caliber of opponent where Oklahoma just isn't doing its job to the level of its opponent. And so I think it was a very glaring thing that Alex Grinch brought up during his media session today. And if you really think about it, what is the excuse for a Tulane team that's going through all it has been going through and the talent that they feature on that roster to do its job better than you did? I don't know the answer, but hopefully Oklahoma and its coaching staff and players find that answer here pretty soon. No, I, I look, you both made valid points. Um, probably, 
two of the most valid points there was throughout that whole presser. Um, I thought the other interesting thing was on the, on the leadership thing. And I think you touched on it a little bit. Parker was the, the, the Spencer Rattler part was, I thought was probably the most intriguing thing because Riley said verbatim, we didn't ask him to do that stuff last year because he didn't need to, he needs to this year. And he said, it's something he's going to grow into. And they're hoping they have, you know, the next two or three games to grow into something like that with him. But is he ready if, say, you know, what if Nebraska comes out and punches him in the face? Is he willing? Is he going to, is he ready to lead? Is he ready to get those guys where they need to be to make plays on the offense mentally, physically? make sure that they're still engaged, make sure that they're not getting too down on themselves, make sure they're never going to get too high. I mean, there's a lot of different things and excuse me, people, my voice is totally gone, Um, but there's a lot of different things that you can, you can ask of the quarterback, but is it too much for him right now? And I think that's something we're going to find out early because I think the Nebraska game is going to be tougher than people think. I think, and and maybe I'm jumping to conclusions after game one, you know, Whatever, because Nebraska and yeah, it was Fordham, but they did what they were supposed to do. They demolished Fordham, you know, and, and that's not something they opened up against Illinois. That was a tough ball game. And really that game came down to a couple of plays that didn't go Nebraska's way. Nebraska wins that ball game and they're looking two and oh, that's a completely different storyline. Then when they come to Norman. It probably ranked because they got the in on the side of their helmet, you know, and, and it's just, it's a different thing. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm worried about the leadership. I thought I, I, and I said that before the season started, I was worried about the leadership. I didn't know where it was going to come from. I thought maybe, you know, Kennedy Brooks would be a leader. I thought maybe Marquise Hayes would be a leader. I thought Caleb Kelly, Isaiah Thomas, um, Brian Osamoa, Pat Fields. I thought there were guys that could step up and be those type of dudes. And yes, it's just one game, but it's a valid question. Like where, where are they going to get the leadership from later on in the season when it's needed in big moments? Like you had Ronnie Perkins last year suspended on the sideline at Iowa state running up and down the sideline, screaming and getting everybody's asses. Literally. That's not there right now. Suspended or not, he was a leader on that team. Pulled everybody and threw a he had a players only meeting. He did. A suspended player. Who's that guy right now? Who is it? And I think no, go ahead, Colin. You go no, ahead and jump in here. I I, th- I think that's the thing is the the lack of impact on this roster right now has yet to be identified. And I think the other part of this too, is there's a lot of new faces that are working in, obviously the amount of trenches that came in, but, and I think this is the biggest thing for me because I'm glad you brought it up, Brandon. Nebraska went out and eventually after playing a in-conference opponent went out and took care of business. And I think you mentioned it overreactions to one game here or there, however you want to view it for me, like that was 
that was not something I wanted to go harp on a little bit too much because this is the other part of this. Yes. You go out and you take the field, right. And you have your week one jitters. But if you look across the country this past Saturday, teams like Texas, Texas A&M, Florida, so on and so forth, other power five programs and their week one outings. Did they show some questions? Yes. Did they have some early season kinks to work out? Absolutely. But did all of those programs end up taking care of business? Yes. At home. And they showed a level of intensity that needed to be displayed in a week one game. I think that's for me, what's incredibly concerning when you talk about this leadership is it's not just the fact that Oklahoma wasn't able to take care of business on the same level as some of its direct peers. It didn't even look interested in doing so. And, and if you really think about that for a second, I mean, how are they expected to line it up against some of these other programs that are showing signs of at least interest? So it's going to have to be figured out here pretty soon because I'm fine with not worrying too much about what you see on the field in week one. But if you don't see intensity or leadership or heart, then that's to me is what should be gravely concerning in week one. A couple of things I want to add here. One, I am legitimately worried about that road trip to Manhattan on October 2nd after yeah. week one. That, <laughs> that suddenly looks a lot more imposing than it did 72 hours ago. But um, the other thing is, you know, Brandon, it goes back to a concern that I raised back in like January or February at the very beginning of the off season. And then it just kind of got shuffled back. And I don't think we ever really talked about it again amidst all the hype, but it was the question of who's going to replace perk, not from a production standpoint, because the answer there was pretty clear, but from a leadership standpoint and a week into the season, you really don't get the sense that there is an answer to that question yet. Yeah. And you know what? I, I do want to say that I don't think, and I know this sounds like such a piss poor excuse. I don't think Oklahoma plays this way. If they're playing Louisiana or Miami or Stanford you know, there's somebody with a, with a name, you know, I, I think there's a level of focus that goes into that because you look at Tulane, the name, and as Riley said, human nature, right or wrong excuse or no excuse. You instantly go, mm. I mean, we all did it. We all did it. We were like, Oh, 52, 17. But when you look at what they have coming back from back to back bowl seasons, we all overlooked Tulane. They're a good team. Like, like they're, they're severely underrated. Michael Pratt is one of the tougher, better quarterbacks in the country. And I think you're going to see it when they play Ole Miss in a couple of weeks and they struck the crap out of them. Now they're not going to sneak up on Ole Miss like they did Oklahoma. That's the other thing people need to understand. So it may not be quite the, you know, close ball game, but they're going to score and they're going to cause problems because that dude takes shot after shot after shot. And unlike the Louisville quarterback last night, if you hit him while he's throwing it, he's going to find somebody short yardage that's open to think down to get a first down. That's just who he is. So I, I think it's a really good point brought up by you. 
And so I just want to respond to it with a quick question for both of you. Say this game is played in New Orleans. How much does the score change? A lot because the atmosphere is different. It's a packed house, 40,000 people. And I think Oklahoma comes to annihilate them on. And and that's another thing I think people kind of overlooked in this whole deal. Excuse or not, again, Oklahoma came into this. And I've talked to numerous people inside the program trying not to blow them out, literally trying not to blow them out because of everything they've been through. Like you don't do that. That is the, the, the way OU handled it. Going into the ball game, obviously they handled it the right. That was the right way to approach that. Have them come up, get up by a whole bunch, and as Riley did, he tried not to blow them out. Unfortunately, he gave them so much confidence they almost upset them. That that was a bad move. Like they probably should have got up about thirty five or so, and then tapered off. They came out after halftime. We're like, ah, eh, we're good. We're up twenty three. This team's been. They didn't have been at home for two weeks. Who cares? Uh, bad move, homie. Bad move. They got a pretty good quarterback, and he's going to make you pay for that. And they did. And they did. You've got to give them every – got to give Tulane so much credit for everything they've been through. You have to. How hard had that had to be to come up here and play the way they did? They had nothing to lose, and they played that way. Yeah, Tulane played a hell of a ball game. I'm not they did. Oh, my goodness. Play. Coach Ritz had those dudes ready to absolutely brawl. Yes, he did. But is it not insane to think about that a simple venue change might have changed the score by a pretty wide margin? Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, there's just something about that complacency when you know it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sit well with me. Because, like, we should not be able to sit here and tell you at home that if your team had even just gone on the road, they probably would have won by three or four touchdowns. Yep. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm alone on that, but that's just been eating me up a little bit after that that game because it, you know it's true. You know it's, what I it's, mean? It's, it's fact. So it's it, it kind of goes back to the – I'm trying to think of a good – OU – in Kansas State last year. So Kansas State gets beat by who was it a one double A Arkansas team? State. Okay, there you go. FCS team. No, they're FES. Sunbelt. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're Sunbelt. They're 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 FCS. Yeah, or FBS. But yeah, they're 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 good. They're Sunbelt. Um but the point is is that they lose to Arkansas State, but the very next week they're completely locked in because they're playing Oklahoma. They overlooked Arkansas State for Oklahoma. And we're two different teams in those, that ball game. Same with Iowa State in Louisiana last year. They overlooked Louisiana, tried to be playing. And that, that's another thing people need to understand. Like, oh, you didn't open up the playbook defensively, offensively. Like, it was pretty bland all game. There was nothing that there was no different sets. There was no looks. I've talked to so many sources. They're like, yes, that game plan was about as boring as you could possibly get. And unfortunately, that's another thing. Like when you have those type of game plans going into the season, especially game one against a team like Tulane, who won seven games the last three years, you can't do that. Especially when they're a senior Latin team, you're just asking for it. Yeah. So I, I think, I think this is like, it's on everybody and at least Riley is owning it. And I think that's probably the, the, 
I think this is the most I've seen Riley own it during his time. You know, he's always at last year, oh, and two, and they're like, yeah, we're close. We're close. We're close. Are you? Are you close? You're one and two. You know, granted, he proved right. They were close because they didn't lose a ball game the rest of the year. But trying to get a fan to buy into that is not going to be easy. So he owned it this time. So, yeah, I screwed up, man. I didn't have our team ready. We came in lax. We acted like we won the ball game. It about cost us an 0-1-1 start on the season and our national title hopes right off the bat. So now you hope they learn from it, right? They get to go against FCS. There's another question I got to And this is going to be a weird question, okay? It's going to be an off-the-wall question, but we all know both players. So answering honestly, if you were going to pick a leader of the team, starter or not at quarterback, would you pick Caleb Williams or Spencer Rattler? Caleb. <laughs> I was about to say, I mean, we know we know what's coming, so go ahead and drop it. Go ahead, go ahead, Colin. Be honest. I mean ah. <laughs> he doesn't want to say it. <laughs> I don't because I, I again, it sounds awful to say, does it not? But it's the truth. I again I, here's the other thing though, and again I because as the, I don't know, I feel like I now have to wear the Spencer Rattler apologist shirt. No, you don't have to because I've been holding it for like the past two days. I but, just, yeah, like, like, but like we mentioned too here, man, it's not just on Spencer. He's going to wear that responsibility as the quarterback. But, yeah. man, that, there wasn't a leader quarterback or not on that roster who seemed like they were ready to go. So hopefully a lot of people are going to correct. But if you ask me between those two, I mean, I think everybody knows what the answer is right now. <laughs> then say it. You want me to, but I said <laughs> someone's going to quote it. Someone's going to quote it. So I'm not putting it on paper, man. These transcripts are going to be in check. <laughs> I mean, I, I love them both, but as far as like right now, the personalities, and I'm going off just sheer personality, strictly personalities. Yeah, the, I mean, this is Spencer's team. Let me let me preface it by saying this. This is Spencer's team, right? It is Spencer's team 100%. But if you're talking like a guy that's like focused each and every week, willing to do the small things, it's Caleb. I mean, we've seen that, but we know that about Spencer. He's still the most talented kid. Like I, he's not more talented than Caleb. I don't want to say that. Like they're both equally talented. I, I just don't want to, I don't want anybody to think I'm saying one way or the other, but their personalities are completely different. Like Caleb is business all day, every day. Rattler is a fun loving go out there, play because he's so talented. He can, he can live off his talent a lot of times. And even Riley called him out on that. Like he's got to get better with his, with his technique, with everything that he does, he made some piss poor decisions and that's got to get better. If it doesn't get better, there's a freshman over there that's willing to take that spot. And it's, it, it, it's to the point, like, I don't know how long he could like, if how many games could he play like that before they go, we're going to give 13 a chance, honestly, like how long do y'all think it would last? 
you'd be hard pressed to tell me that if something like that happened against Texas, I mean, you might as well mm-hmm. go to the bullpen. So, because that's what about that's Nebraska? Game. What about Nebraska? I you I think mean, game three is too early? I think here's, it's here's, too early. Yeah, let me okay. jump in, and here's what I'll say. And you know, I was actually I was having. And the this same is crazy talk, by the way. Heisman no, 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 I, I no, out. I understand. It's just it, hypothetical but, fans. We do not think that Caleb's going to start right now. Just it's hypothetical talk. We're 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 digging for conversation at this. I point. think Colin brings up a very good point, and it was a conversation that I was having earlier today on the radio. Was generally the game that signifies how and what we define this team as Texas is the game in the cotton bowl against Texas. Mm. And I think what you saw last year with Spencer Rattler was that (laughs) the leash gets a lot shorter in that game. Mm -hmm. If you don't come out dialed in. And so, you know, so many times in years past, we have seen a really good Oklahoma team lose to a not so good Texas team in the Cotton Bowl or play a game that was a lot closer than it should have been. And, you know, that's interspersed with some blowouts. But at the same time, you have to acknowledge that all bets are off when those two teams hit the field. It doesn't matter how good one is or how bad one is. Those teams are going to play each other close almost every single time. Mm-hmm. And that's it, it's just kind of the one of the things that comes with the territory of one a storied rivalry in college sports, right? It's, it's a flip of the coin every single time. And so when a game like that carries so much significance and it's always played at virtually the exact same time every year, first or second week of October, that's right around the time that we kind of start to get a sense of what this Oklahoma team is truly made of. Mm-hmm. So I'm a hundred percent with Colin on that. If they get to Texas and Spencer scuffling, then you maybe start to have that conversation. But until then, no, I don't think it's, it's a significant enough issue. It's not. So let me, let me ask a final question on Spencer, because I think, I think that's probably the biggest storyline throughout this whole week. I I mean, you talk about the leading Heisman candidate, the stats look, the numbers look good. The play, if you actually watch the game was not good at all. It was bad. It was very, very bad. It's not what you expect. It's not what he looked like to end the season last year. Like, not even close. Like, we were watching, we were, it looked like we were watching the Kansas State second half Rattler all over again, ironically. You know, it's a really, you know, it's a really damning stat, Brandon. On passes more than 10 yards downfield, on Saturday, mm-hmm. Spencer Rattler was eight for seventeen, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Boish. That's not even fifty percent, man. Um so with that said, oh, that's a bad stat. That's a bad stat line. Um does Spencer get it together? come Nebraska on the rest of the season is, does he have, does he live up to the hype the rest of the season? Just prediction. Does he live up to the hype? Well, it depends on what you quantify the hype as, because he goes to, he at least goes to New York. I feel like it's hard to say he doesn't go to New York. 
just because there's going to be so much opportunity for production in this offense. And there's going to be the added bonus of being the quarterback and the figurehead of a very, very good football team that is in the conversation for a college football playoff berth. So I find it difficult to say Spencer Rattler is not going to go to New York when it's all said and done, but I'll reiterate what I think we all agreed on a couple of weeks back on our podcast, which is that uh, I, I don't think he's going to emerge as the Heisman trophy winner. I can go behind that. Uh, I think it's hard to win a highs. I don't think people understand how hard that is. Um, is he still a top 10 pick in the NFL draft come the end of the year? Considering the nature of the NFL draft today. Yeah, I agree. Added places on the quarterback. Position. 100% agree with you. Considering what he's at least putting on the stat sheet. I think Spencer Rattler will remain in that conversation. And his potential. I mean, his upside is ridiculous. He's so gifted. He is so gifted. I just wish he would get his head on straight sometimes. Like, and I love the kid because I've known him since he was a freshman in high school. But he does have his moments where you're like, you know, you watch him and like, man, what in the world are you doing, bro? Like, you know what I mean? Just like, what are you doing? Because he tries to be Favre sometimes. He has that arm, but he's not there yet as a player. Favre wasn't Favre at Southern Miss. Like, that was something he progressed into as a Packer. Because remember, he was with the Falcons before he was with the Packers. Yeah. People tend to forget that. He wasn't Favre until he was a couple of years into the Packers. So, you got that. You have that strong arm. You have that gunslinger mentality. Baker, you're, you're watching Baker go through some of that growth in the NFL where rookie year was really great. Then he had that gunslinger mentality year two. He kept it, but he was smarter and more focused in year three. And you saw growth. And I think that's what you have to, they, their personalities and, and just like, I think their trajectory remind me so much of each other that I kind of think he's going to have a similar trajectory this year as far as you know baker remember how bad baker was a start to 2015 there's people remember how bad he was he was a heisman candidate at the end of the year remember how bad he was against tennessee until the very end of that ball game it took the end of the tennessee game for people for him to realize okay i got this and that i think that's where the whole team kind of rallied around him because i saw his toughness rattler needs a game like that where he goes in there and he wills his team to be last year, the Texas game was his, that was his game. That was his Tennessee game. He willed them to victory. He did that. And he's got to do that again at some point. And that, if that means OU's got to struggle, then okay. So be it. So do you all, I want to hear Parker. What do you think? Do you think Rattler, you know, like I said, live up. When I say live up to the height, obviously you think he's going to be a Heisman candidate. He's going to go to New York, but in your mind, does he live up to the height in whatever you put it as your own subjective nature? Yes, I think. Well, here's here's what I'll say. I think the hype in my eyes is Heisman Trophy candidate mm-hmm. and a guy that's playing quarterback for Oklahoma into the month of January because they're playing in the college football playoff. I think he lives up to the hype in that capacity. Yes. Okay. On the flip side, and I agree with you on that, 
On the flip side, do you all think this defense lives up to the hype eventually? Yes. Yes, I do. I very firmly believe that because I think the circumstances that we saw on Saturday, I am willing to almost completely write those off on the defensive side of football because you will, and Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch said as much today, you will never see 31 guys play in the same game on the defensive side of football for the rest of the season. And that had to do with temperature that had to do with inexperience and his desire to get guys looks so that you know what you're dealing with Mm -hmm. when, once you get into conference play and look, I think for as much grief as we have given Alex Grinch for his handling of the situation, he honestly played his cards pretty shrewdly because mm-hmm. he was able to get virtually all of his true freshmen save. I think for Nathan Rollins, Kibonge, he got virtually Shane all of his Witter. true freshmen and all of his backups a look. Even Shane Witter was in there on a couple plays. Was he? Um, I don't remember yeah, he seeing was. him at it, all. It was just, okay. just a couple, but and he was in there on special teams. But he got essentially everybody in the depth chart on the defensive side some playing time, and he got a sense of who he can trust and who he can't. And at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, when he needed one stop from his defense to preserve a victory in the football game, he mm-hmm. sent his best 11 guys out there, and they got a stop in four plays. I couldn't agree more. Go ahead, so, I think this is a really important aspect of the game to keep in mind in regards to your question, Brandon. First of all, to answer it, yes, this defense will meet the expectations that were set for in the preseason. And for me, it's really coming down to some of these. Tulane had only two drives of 75 yards or more. That was the second offensive possession of the game for them and the second to last, basically. Um, Outside of that, every two-lane offensive possession was 55 yards or less. I think that's really important to keep in mind because this defense was put in some brutal positions and Tulane was dealing with ideal field position Mm -hmm. for a majority of the game. And so for Oklahoma's defense to hold them under the 400-yard mark, to only have two, quote-unquote, extensive drives allowed, and then to go out and record, what, four sacks? I believe I want to say PFF recorded them in about 10 total quarterback pressures. This defense put some things on tape that I think are very encouraging. And again, if you look at the stat sheet here, there are signs that the future is bright. When, when asked to defend this two-lane team, was it difficult? Yes. Did it not always look pretty? Yes. But I do think that despite facing some really adverse situations, Alex Grinch's unit showed you that the pieces are in place to have success later mm-hmm. down the line. And I think it's, again, if you do even just a slight dive into some of the final statistics and drive outlines, you see a group that despite being – really in a situation they didn't want to be in. They did what they needed to do at times. Yeah. No, I agree with both of y'all because, look, I I, I think the, the bright side was that front four was just fantastic. I mean, anybody that wants to say otherwise, I just think you didn't watch the same game the rest of us watched. They were so good. I mean, even in Even in times where 
they got a little lax a little bit, they still were getting to him, to Pratt, and just annihilating him. And I felt so bad for him the whole game. I mean, it was just, I can only imagine. I mean, Parker had a better view than the rest of us on the field of just the utter decapitation that he was taking snap after snap. Uh, it was, it was brutal to watch from the press box. Um, but, and the guy just got up time and time again. I'm like, dude, just stay down. We all know you're tough right now. Like you're good. You don't need to do this to yourself. And you get up and throw another first down. You're like, golly, man. But I don't think Oklahoma faces another quarterback that won that tough in a situation like that Two, I don't the rotation thing that you all talked about. And I think that was the key to the whole thing. I think you're going to see Oklahoma go too deep as much as possible the rest of the year. I don't think you're going to see him go three deep the way they did this game because I don't think they can. I don't think there's guys ready. Number one, I, I do think of one guy that is ready and maybe I'm off on this uh, evaluation, but I thought Danny Stutzman is 100% ready to play. Um, that dude balled out. Oh, boy. He looked good. He did. That dude looked ad, ad, as advertised and more. Yeah, he was good, man. Um, which that ought to scare. And now, now you see why Caleb Kelly was moved to outside linebacker right there. Yeah, well, I mean, shoot, Clayton Smith. You can put him in that same category. That dude looked ready to play. He did, and that was you're talking about a guy that earlier in uh fall camp, the people I talked to were like, He's got a long way to go, but they thought that he was taking steps and he was willing to work, and I think that was the the key. And another guy that played really what two guys that played really well that are young on the defensive front, Kelvin Gilliam and um uh, Reggie Grimes both had really good days. I thought they both looked good on the defense front as well. Um, they're just so deep and talented up there. It's just, it's, it's amazing. And I think the biggest disappointment has to be Shane Witter. You're talking a guy that was up for freshman all American. And now he's not even in a three deep. What happened? Like what I, you know, when Alex Grinch takes a shot at him basically in the, in the presser, like he needs to get his act together on and off the field if he wants to contribute in this program. That's a pretty damning thing to say about somebody publicly. I I, mean, I know what he's doing. He's trying to get the kids' attention. It's not working behind the scenes, so now he's going public with it and saying, "Dude, you were supposed to be our guy this year, and now look at you. You're not even. You're non-existent. He's non-existent." Parker, and you know, who's, been the, and you know who's been the benefactor? Danny Stutzman. Yeah, Danny Stutzman. Absolutely. And as long as Shane Witter continues to scuffle, Danny Stutzman is going to get more and more of an opportunity to prove himself on the field. Because what was the conversation that we were having in July and August, Brandon? It was, okay, who's it going to be that's second string at linebacker spelling Deshaun White slash David Aguebu slash... Brian Asamoah, because we knew at that point that Caleb Kelly had been moved to rush. So mm-hmm. the big debate was, is it Danny Stutzman or is it Shane Witter? Because we knew Stutzman. how well Stutzman was performing yep. in camp, 
but there was also a lot of buzz for Witter, and we saw what he could do in limited action last year. And mm. I think through week one, again, don't want to overreact, but right. especially with what Alex Grinch said today, I think it's pretty evident that we got our answer. Yeah, I think uh, Stutzman has... And I, I like that, too, because I... It just shows like if you're if you're Oklahoma, you get to use that. Like that's another Florida kid that's out there playing. Like you had a lot of Florida kids out there yesterday or Saturday, excuse me. You had Mario Williams, you had Danny Stutzman, um, you had Nick Benito, you had Jaden Davis. Uh, I'm trying to think of another Florida guys off the top of my head. Am I missing somebody out from Florida here off the top of my head? There's four off the top that I could think of that played significant minutes. Okay, so you got Mario Williams, you got Jaden Davis, you got Nick Benito, you got Danny yeah. Stutzman. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody right. else? Looking at I, the participation report, that's about it. Yeah. yeah, I think that should be it. Yeah, I mean, but those guys were significant contributors, and they're South Central Florida, South Florida guys. So that is where most of the talent's at. And that is where Oklahoma, ironically, in a good segue, mind you, is going to have some dudes come in this weekend from on the recruiting trail. Look hey, at you, like Brandon. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. Um, look, that, that, that right there shows if you're a South Florida kid, that's all Oklahoma's looking for. Like they're, they get to sit there and say, Hey, we play these guys, you know, like come play for us. And it's work. You got, you got Brandon Ennis potentially coming in this weekend. You have, uh, obviously, uh, I know Trey on Webb's not going to come in. Um, but, um, he's going to be for the Texas tech game. I think right now he could be coming in this weekend. I can't remember. Maybe Richard young comes in this weekend, the number one running back in the 2023 class. Um, yeah, Gabriel Brownlow Dindy. Obviously, he's a different, I guess he's from Florida, but he grew up half his life in Louisiana and his parents are from Oklahoma and graduated from OU. So this kid is diehard OU. You can call him a South Florida kid, a Central Florida kid, but in the end, he's just an OU legacy. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it. So Oklahoma really needs to have a major showing this weekend on the recruiting trail. Plus you got the Cali kids coming out there and Oklahoma, obviously perform the California kids always perform well at OU. OU is notorious for having a bunch of Cali Sooners and this year's team is no different. So, I mean, look, this is, those are two States along with, I want to say the DMV, that Oklahoma has completely gone in and said, we are going to make those places pipelines and they've done a really good job of doing so you've got from everything I hear Malachi Nelson coming in this weekend. You've got Makai lemon coming in this weekend. Uh, those are both five-star recruits uh, or commits um, a quarterback um, uh, lemon at wide receiver, five-star wide receiver uh, also committed to Oklahoma coming in. You got their teammate, uh, uh, just freaking just went blank just now. Um, DeAndre Moore coming in as well. Five-star wide receiver. So, I mean, there is a lot of talent coming in this weekend. And that's just off the top of the head. You got, as Colin was talking about off air, Xavier Bryce most likely coming. I'm telling you, this weekend's going to have so many kids come in. You're going to have Jacob Sexton in town. 
you're going to have um, uh, Robert Spears Jennings in town. You're going to have uh, oh, uh, freaking A, man. Um, gosh dang it. Uh, just went blank. Uh, tied in from Bigsby. This is what I get. Luke has. Luke has, man. I went up there and saw him like three times and I can't even remember his name right now. Luke has four star tight end from big space coming in. Uh, so, and, and, and potentially you could have maybe a Chris McClellan show up, you know, the week before he decides to uh, take an official to Oklahoma for the Nebraska game from what it sounds like. So, and he's a four star a defensive lineman from Owasso. Um, there's just a lot of guys that are going to be in town. We haven't got a full list. Uh, we will have a full list on OU Insider. These are all names that we've discussed already on OU Insider. Kenyatta Jackson still doesn't have his date set. Um, so that one was supposed to happen this weekend. I don't know if it's going to happen uh, either the West Virginia game or the TCU game. Those are two, you know, trying to, trying to decide which one they're going to come to, but they are going to come. Uh, his dad just texted me literally just text me when we were on air earlier. We, we talked about it earlier um, off air a little bit too. Um, I don't know, guys, what do you think about this weekend? Striping the stadium. Do you think it's going to be a sellout with it? A hundred degrees out. I don't know that it's going to be that hot during kickoff, but I think just the lead up to it, it's going to make it hard for fans to want to get out there, especially after. And do you think last week's performance kind of doles and the fact that it was a home game kind of doles the excitement that it would, would have had for this game, even though it's Western Carolina. I mean, shoot, I think it's sooner nation's first opportunity to pack out the stadium in almost two years since November 23rd, 2019 against TCU. So like if I'm putting my money down, yeah, I think it's a sellout and I don't think it has anything to do with the quality of the opponent or the uh, performance last week, because obviously that's not, you know, that's, that's not the reason why the stadium is going to get sold out. But I think just by virtue of the fact that it's going to be full capacity for the first time in a really, really long time is going to be excitement enough uh, that, yeah, we'll see a packed house. I mean, there'll be a lot of people there. I can't tell you how many people are going to be in those stands after a while, but it is what it is. Oklahoma does yeah. stands packed. There's going to be a lot of big name prospects on campus. So I, I'm willing to hear either argument if we're being honest at this yeah. point. And Western Carolina after that Tulane showing, but at the same time, like Parker mentioned, the buildup to this type of moment after the year and a half, two years, basically that these fans have gone through. I'd like to think that those stands will be packed, especially for a six o'clock kickoff. If I remember correctly, but at the same time, I don't know how long those stands will be filled if that they are. Here's my here's my deal. And I think this game is the epitome of why Oklahoma chose to go to the SEC. I really do. I think this year's non-con slate, and obviously they can't control Nebraska being down or quote, quote, down. Obviously, if they win this weekend, who's Nebraska have this weekend, by the way? Colin, that's Buffalo. up here. That's Buffalo. Win. So they'll be two and one going into um, the Oklahoma game. Should have been three and zero, oh, but I think a two and one Nebraska game is more intriguing, obviously, than a one and two. And that's such a you know rhetorical statement, but there's a chance that Nebraska could be one. Could have been one and two. I mean, they they 
have had the propensity to give up just bad games early in the season the last couple of years. So the fact that there's a really good chance that they're going to be two and one heading into Norman is a big win for Oklahoma. Add to the fact that Scott Frost wanted to get out of that game, which we're going to talk about that all next week. I mean, this is that's going to be a topic of conversation. I think that's going to be the biggest storyline is how pissed off OU is that they try to back out of that game. And I think that's going to make this game a little bit on the bad side for Scott Frost. Oh, you wanted to back out of it. We'll give you a reason to want You should have felt like you backed out of it is what I think is going to happen. I think if there's one game where you can count on Oklahoma not to take the foot off the gas, that would be it. I was I going agree. to say, I, whatever that opening spread is, go ahead and take it. I agree. That's going to be nasty. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the, I think that it's games like this where fans are like, man, yeah, you know, if this wasn't Auburn coming in early in the season or, you know, OU was playing Nebraska instead of Western Carolina in game two after Tulane because they have 10 conference games in the SEC with as big as the SEC is going to be. I think fans would be more apt to show up to this stuff, but I also think, and I, I hate hating on the student section, but the OU student section is just awful sometimes. No, it's, it's horrible. Just it's go ahead okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's awful all the time that like they leave. They'd rather go frat party it up and get dressed for a, a, a freaking 12 midnight party They'll leave at 9 p.m. to go ready. It doesn't take three hours to go get ready. And they're like, want a pre-drink? Man, you can – There's you. they do realize that there is drinks inside the stadium now, right? Like, it's over with open liquor and beer. So, I mean, come on, man. Come on. They don't uh, need to be that way anymore. That requires paying for it, though, Jerome. That's true. That's very true. They're not cheap. Um, yeah, so I don't know what – and I know this is, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. What do you all think the final score is to Western Carolina, Oklahoma? I mean, do you feel like Oklahoma is going to just gas it up at this point because of what happened last week, just to prove that they are on that level of what everybody thought they were supposed to be? I mean, I see this one of two ways. I think number one, you do need to absolutely beat the brakes off of Western Carolina. You do. In an ideal world, you don't allow more than three to seven points, if we're being honest. But I mean, this is another valuable opportunity to identify depth and see who cares. I mean, we can't sit on this podcast and talk as long as we did about leadership and who wants to go out and play football and then not acknowledge the fact that it's these crappy games like this that show you on film who actually gives a damn about the games. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I, I, I think this will be a valuable opportunity for Oklahoma to work in a lot more of that, what, 31-person depth on defense. I think it'll be a valuable opportunity to, to get some guys in offensively who have a chance to make some plays, and then the staff will be able to evaluate on film, okay, who – who do we know wants to take the field? Who wants to step up into either production or leadership <clears throat> roles? So, I mean, giving you a final score right now would be probably pretty tough. I'd probably go somewhere in like the high fifties, low sixties to a three to seven mark. But man, I, 
this game should be a stinker. And if it isn't, then man, Oklahoma fans have every right to be upset. Mm-hmm. I successfully predicted the shutout against Missouri state last year. So I'm going to dip back in the well, <clears throat> Oklahoma shuts him out again. Okay. There it is. It's in the open air. <clears throat> I think that all of the negative storylines surrounding this team after their week one performance are going to light a fire. I do. And look, let's be honest here. This Oklahoma front seven is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like if there are question marks right now, they're more in the secondary, but this front seven is really good. And so when I look at the impact that that front seven can make against a team of an FCS caliber, they might not even need strong play from the secondary to be able to shut out Western Carolina because the front seven and especially the front four is just going to be that overpowering. So give me a shutout. How many points does OU score? I'll say it's 59 to zero. Wow. Um, I'm with you on, you know, the defensive front. I don't know about shutout. I was going to say 55 to 10 is what I was going to say, somewhere around that range. Because I just don't – I think Oklahoma is going to allow them to score just because they're going to – I think they're just going to let them score. I just – I don't – not not so much let them, but, I mean, I think that they're going to get – it's going to get to a point in the ballgame where they're going to be like, yeah – we're going to go ahead and play our walk-ons and stuff like that. And that's where Western Carolina is going to have their guys out there and they're going to score. So I think I'll go, I'll go 55, 10. Um, if they do shut them out, my goodness, um, that'd be really good for Oklahoma statistically on the defensive side of the ball. That's for sure. Um, you know, analytics as well. Um, I guess finally, um, look, it's a big recruiting weekend, like we said. They're also striping the stadium. And we have, right now, we had a giveaway earlier today. We gave away four tickets to the game to OU Insider VIP guys, members. And we're giving away six more tickets throughout the week. So we're going to have three more drawings, and we're going to give two tickets apiece to our VIP members. And we're going to do that throughout the year. You're going to have games where we give away you know, four tickets here, five tickets there, that type of stuff. Uh, just as appreciation to our VIP members. So if you're not signed up, it's 50% off right now. Um, we're giving away all that stuff. Uh, we gave away a $100 gift card to a member just past week with a drawing. I mean, we just do that to show appreciation for you guys being members. And just kind of a thank you saying, hey, you know, I'm glad you're on board. I'm glad you spent the money with us, but we want to reciprocate that by giving away drawings and stuff like that. Obviously we can't give it to all the thousands and thousands of members. (laughs) We would go broke doing that, but we do the best we can um, as far as doing giveaways and stuff like that. So if you want to join, it's kind of worth it right now. So 50 bucks and then you enter the drawing. And if you win, you're literally going to get your value back instantly and more as far as the game goes and being able to take you know a loved one with you to the game to an OU game stripe the stadium you find out what section you're in if you're going to be wearing red or white uh, and you can cheer on Oklahoma and you can help Oklahoma 
you know, with a couple of recruits, with your being loud. I mean, that's kind of the thing. They want the atmosphere to be as much as it possibly can. Riley stated that over and over about how big this is. So we'll see. Um, I, I think it's going to be majority packed. And I think it'll be loud for like the first quarter and a half just because it's a night game and people are going to be pretty liquored up before they sweat all their liquor out. And then it's going to get kind of tame after that. But, I mean, that's all you need. I mean, for the most part, the the recruits end up going back down in the locker room and watching the game anyways in the air condition. Um, finally, um, look, <clears throat> what let, I want to do a prediction thing real quick. Before we head out of here, um, do you guys – who is going to have the most yards receiving, rushing, and who is going to lead the team in tackles and sacks this next game? Jeez. I can go ahead and I'll start this one off. Look, I feel like I am so – so far gone on the Mike Woods hype train. I feel like I have to stay on that hype train. And I really do think that after a pretty solid performance this past week, his boom is coming because a guy like that, you know, he'll pop off for a real big game every now and again, just by virtue of his skill set and his ability to get behind a secondary. So I'll say Mike Woods breaks a long one this week and ends up leaving the team and receiving. I can also see Mario Williams doing that as well. Um, I'll take Kennedy Brooks to lead the team in rushing again, uh, just because I think right now it makes more sense for him to get more carries in the early going of the season because he hasn't played football since 2019. So especially in non-conference play, when you pretty much know what you're going to get in terms of your opponent, uh, it makes sense for Oklahoma to utilize Kennedy Brooks a bit more heavily than Eric Gray. So I'll take Brooks in that capacity. Uh, as far as leading the team in tackles, give me Brian Asamoah because I find it real difficult to believe that that dude is going to turn in two duds in a row. And he did not have a very productive game this past Saturday. I think he reverses that trend this weekend. And for sacks, mm, See, Nick Benito's the type of guy that just decimates offensive tackles who can't keep up with his speed around the edge. You saw it last year against Kansas when he had, I want to say, three and a half sacks. Mm. So going up against a Western Carolina offensive line that is going to have no answer for his dexterity and his fluidity off the edge, I'm going to take Benito to snag a couple sacks and lead the Sooners. Yeah, I like, I like all of those picks. So for the sake of throwing other names out there, I'll just try and throw some darts at the board here. I'll go ahead and take the other side of it. Although I think Kennedy Brooks will be the leader. I wouldn't be surprised if they try and work Eric Gray a little bit more, especially considering I don't think that he was utilized in the most effective manner on Saturday. So maybe try and get him a confidence boost, get him settled in a little bit. I could see it. Receiving wise, I mean, they were force feeding Mario Williams at time during that game. Now, I didn't necessarily like how he was utilized much either. I thought it was a lot of underneath stuff, and I would like to see Mario be able to capitalize on his speed and push the ball down the field a little bit more. So if that is the case, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mario Williams be up towards the top of the receiving statistics. 
also wouldn't mind seeing Jaden Hazelwood up there either, considering he lined it up as a starter. And then if you want to get him a confidence boost, this weekend will be a prime time opportunity. Tackles. I mean, I, 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 I could easily go with my guy, David Uwebu. I thought he had a couple of flashes and he's obviously incredibly athletic. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a guy like him have another impressive statistic outing. And then sacks, if I'm really just kind of going out of nowhere, but I kind of feel good about it. The guy had a sack in the game, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Why not Reggie Grimes? Yeah. I mean, he's going to have an opportunity to probably play a lot of minutes on Saturday. And if he shows anything like he showed on Saturday, I mean, he, this past Saturday, he's got a chance to, to record a couple. So I'll roll with him as kind of the surprise pick. You know, it's funny because Reggie Grimes, I on the Friday before the game, I don't know if maybe you read it, or Parker, maybe you did too. I, I literally talked about a source that told me Grimes is going to be a dude from here on out. And I had like a long write-up about how good they think he's going to be, yada, yada, yada. Then he goes out and plays like that. I'm like, yeah, that was pretty – source was pretty spot on with that one. Um, I, I'll go – I think rushing, I think it's because I want to see Eric Gray more than I think I believe in Kennedy Brooks more than I do Eric Gray. But I want I want to be a guy that I like Eric Gray and I want to see him fulfill this hype that he had coming in because he was really good running back for Tennessee on a with a offensive line that was just a dud sometimes with the balls. So I'll take him. Uh, receiving you who had Mario Williams, you had Mario Williams, right? And he had, you had Mike Woods, right? Parker. Um, I'll take the, you know who I'm going to take. I'm going to take the outcasts here. I'm going to go Stogner. I'm going to say Stogner has a hundred yards receiving this week. Hmm. Probably not the week that he does it, but I'm just going to say it. There's going to be a week, week or two that he does have a hundred because they leave it wide open across the middle. It's probably going to be Marvin Mims, but I'm going with Stogner. Just because I think Marvin Mims is such an easy answer because he's the go-to guy. I mean, he's basically he's essentially CeeDee Lamb and Hollywood Brown and uh, D.D. Westbrook and Sterling Shepard for OU this year. So um, that's an easy answer is, is Marvin Mims. Um, as far as sacks, I'll... I'll who took Benito? Who took Benito? Is that you, Parker? Oh, you easy little punk. Um, <laughs> I'll go Isaiah Thomas. I think he has a couple of sacks. He had a sack this past week. I'll have him there. And then tackles. Did somebody say you wake boo? Parker or Colin? Right Colin here. said you wake. Dead gum you. Um, I'll go Asamoah. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. I guess. There you go. Brian awesome. is who I'll pick leading tackles, um, which I, I think no matter how you slice it, dice it, whatever you want to do, I think all the guys that we named are going to have pretty decent days. I think no matter how you look at it, just because of Western Carolina. So it should be a good day overall. If you're no, you fan. Uh, get that nastiness off of you from the two lane game and move on and get ready for his 
an old rivalry, but a goodie in OU Nebraska in September. How weird is that? September matchup of OU Nebraska doesn't seem right, but it is what it is. They're non, it's a non-con now. Um, that's going to do it for this podcast. We tried to get as much in there and we've really extended some of the conversations that, and, and really went out on a limb on a couple of things really with the Rattler talk and stuff like that. Obviously folks, we think Rattler is going to be a stud and we know that, but we're talking, it's a topic of a conversation. It's things that fans have brought up on the message board. So we're talking about it as well on the podcast so that you all can hear our side of things as well. Um, we talk about it on the, on the board when they're brought up, but some people of y'all aren't VIP members. We want you to hear that, see some of the stuff that you get uh, as far as VIP goes. There's 50% off right now uh, for $53.70. You get one year. That means you get all the way till next September if you sign up right now. 53.70 gets you one year. That's $107 plus in value. I mean, that's a really, really good deal. Daily media, video. Parker has an awesome deal where he shows the highlights from the game field and tells you what the score is, what the time is on the clock, all kinds of stuff. So you get game highlights from the field level. So you get that atmosphere of everything that's going on uh, during the game, before the game, after the game, all that. Parker does some fantastic job on that. You got Colin coming in with recruiting notes, all kinds of stuff. He covers basketball, football, baseball. I mean, it's covered. You got Joey coming in with all the quotes, notes. The guy transcribes like nobody's business, allows us to have so many stories up for you guys, whether it's VIP or free on OU Insider. Um, and I mean, look, we've, we've last month, I think we had over 200 new subs and we're on pace for, I think, 160 right now, new signups. Um, so we're we're growing super, super fast on OUinsider.com. Uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of members are on our board already, literally. And we hope to see y'all. Our board is busy, busy, busy. If you don't want to do the one-year sign-up, you can go $1 for the first month and then $9.95 afterwards. But you can try us out. You can cancel any time. We're really good about all that stuff. So, hey, we hope to see you all on OUinsider.com, and I hope you take advantage of that because this season's going to be a good one for OU fans. It's going to be a good one for recruiting. We got a lot of recruiting content coming, especially with there. from here on out, all the home games are big visit weekends. There's going to be a five-star on campus every week for the next five weeks, four or five weeks. So, I mean, look. And sometimes multiple five stars on campus. So this is big time. Oklahoma's recruiting at a level they haven't recruited at in a long time. And we'll have you covered head to toe on OUinsider.com. Do you guys have anything else? Not Do not. All right. Call it a night. What'd you say, Colin? I said, y'all just be safe out there, man. Take care of it. Yes, sir. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the OU Insider Under the Visor Center podcast. For Colin Kennedy, Parker Thune, my name is Brandon Drum. You all have a blessed night.